0: Jessica Colney is a research psychologist focused on altered states of consciousness. She has a master's degree in psychology and is involved with organizations such as the Scientific and Medical Network, the Galileo Commission, and the Psychedelic Society. Following her own incredible experience, a spontaneous spiritual awakening, Jessica's world changed and she realized there was so much more to reality than she was previously aware of. She's also a Kundalini Yoga teacher and runs support groups for people going through spiritually transformative experiences. As always, we've taken the time to create timestamps, which can be found in the description below. Okay, so Jess, to start us off, can you tell me a little bit about your background?
1: Yeah, of course. Um, so I'm a research psychologist, and I specialize in spontaneous spiritual awakening experiences and other uh, non-ordinary states of consciousness. Um, and I'm also a Kundalini Yoga teacher, and I run peer support groups for individuals who have had profound spiritually transformative experiences um with the psychedelic society which i think you may have heard of mm-hmm. um, and then i do a number of other things so that's sort of my career's background background um, in terms of who i am i mean that's quite a complex uh question but i suppose um in many ways have changed a lot in the last six years um so i'm definitely not the same person now than i was before my experience which i'm sure we'll delve into shortly yeah. um but yeah, I grew up in a um, quite a multicultural um, household. I'm half Italian, half French, uh, born and raised in London, so I'm a Londoner. Um, and yeah, I, I grew up uh, an atheist, uh, very much rejectant of anything um, pertinent to the spiritual or the religious. Mm. And um, yeah, I'd never really delved into anything of the esoteric type or anything like that. Um, and I remember, you know, of course I remember, I mean, it wasn't that long ago. Uh, <laughs> when I was a teenager, I I did like one or two Buddhist um, meditation classes um, at the local church of all places. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, that sort of, it didn't really open up my mind of, towards these kinds of experiences or anything like that, but I knew that I liked it. And then when I went to uni at Leeds University, where I did my bachelor's, i undertook a sort of well i did some yoga there um with the yoga society um but again i didn't know what this was all about i just knew that it made me feel good physically and mentally Um, but i didn't know anything about spirituality um until about six years ago yeah so
0: wow so you grew up an atheist so were you both your parents atheists like when you were growing up
1: yeah um yeah exactly so yeah well i would say agnostic more than atheist
0: okay that's an important um, distinction um so up until your kind of spiritual awakening experience were you would you say you kind of kept your atheist status until then yeah yeah, yeah. pretty much okay and and before we go into that before we go into your experience how could you kind of, could you kind of tell us like what exactly is a spiritual awakening and i guess in more detail like can it be obviously it can be like in your case a kind of spontaneous spiritual experience but can it also be a very gradual experience that maybe lasts for weeks months even years um yeah just just kind of give a little bit more of an idea what what that is a, a spiritual awakening if you don't mind
1: yeah sure so there is still an issue with the term spiritual awakening because according to different traditions different people Mm-hmm. Um, we all have a different sort of idea of what that looks like, um, but according to you know what I've researched, everything that I've read, and my own personal experience and my intuition, um, a spiritual awakening is an experience of um, connection or communion or non-dual merging or experience of oneness mm-hmm. with a perceived um, with the with the universe with a perceived cosmic consciousness. Um, with the divine or with what some may term as call God. Um, I wouldn't call it necessarily uh, God, like one God, because that is too, the word God has ties that are too tightly knit with um, things that I don't necessarily believe in. But anyway, it's this sense of interconnection, um, this sense of all-pervading oneness with something greater than ourselves, but that also exists within ourselves. That's um uh, how I would describe spiritual awakening, and other people call it uh, experiences of an enlightenment, um if it is a, if, if sustained for long enough um, or experiences of non-duality, um when the experience is strong enough and you lose um, the sort of boundaries fully with the outside world and you perceive yourself as just one, um, or experiences of self-realization. Uh, There are lots of different ways to describe these kinds of experiences and they can be gradual. Um, Of course, I've had a a spontaneous, uh, you know, very powerful and spontaneous one. So I don't know what it feels like to have a gradual experience. But um, from what I've heard from other people and again, you know, the research that I've done, yes, they can be gradual, of course. um, And they can occur particularly, um, you know, during or after a sustained practice of meditation over years um or yoga um or just through you know slowly slowly opening our minds to the idea that there might be something more than what we can see with our two eyes and our five senses Mm.
0: um is that sorry sorry what were you going to say
1: no no nothing
0: (laughs) is there also potentially some kind of causal link not like with with depression or something like that um is is it possible that period of depression can maybe ignite a kind of gradual spiritual awakening have you ever come across that
1: yeah definitely uh I mean gradual but also spontaneous so what we found Hmm. in our own research project the one that I um that I led for my master's dissertation and that I then published with David Luke um, is that I think 65% of all of our participants, so we uh, we handed out surveys to 50, uh, 152 individuals, um, and I think around 65% of them reported having experienced a prolonged period of psychological trauma or turmoil prior to their experience. Um, so they weren't necessarily able to pinpoint a specific trigger, but that was a a sort of a preempting factor mm. that uh, 65% of our participants wow. reported so that's quite significant um and this is something that we've seen in in other studies on more general spiritual awakenings so not necessarily spontaneous ones um in the studies of um dr steve taylor uh, for example yeah. if you've come across his work um yeah. and much aligned with his way of thinking and his way of doing research and yeah, he's found something very similar. So, you know, vast majority of the individuals that he's interviewed for his own studies have reported a period of psychological trauma or turmoil prior to their experience. Um, I think, I mean, we don't really know the reasons why. Yeah. Um, but of course, you know, I, I suppose, I mean, there. <laughs> I don't know the inner workings of trauma well enough. I'm actually reading a, a wonderful book by um, uh, van der Kolk um, I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name correctly, but uh, it's The Body Keeps the Score. Mm. So good, highly recommend. Um, but maybe I'll know a little bit more about trauma and the inner workings of trauma after that. But um, it is true that trauma can give us a, you know, when, it's, when we're stripped of everything that we know, when we face um, severe loss, for example, mm. of something that we love, we are faced with our own inner selves in a much purer way in many respects. We're sort of stripped of all of the layers of conditioning through which we saw the world, world until that moment of, of, of trauma or turmoil. And yeah. so it probably gives way to a different, uh, a different sense of existing and a different way of viewing uh, and perceiving
0: the world wow yeah and i and again this is just my kind of speculation but i guess like if somebody's gone through like a period of depression or going through a period of depression you kind of become like disillusioned with the world around you the reality that you've grown up with and that you've become so used to like the kind of four walls around you that the only thing you've ever known and all of a sudden i guess maybe you begin to crave for something more you begin to look for something more search for something more and then you begin to find some answers and uh and then maybe you just kind of keep going further into that. Maybe that's something to do with it as well. But it's probably much more complicated.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it's a lot more complicated. But yes, it, symbolically speaking, it's almost like sometimes you need a shake up in your life mm-hmm. to be able to see um, past what you you know what you know and to be able to maybe experience in a, a more objective reality. Yeah. Um, you know. Yeah. Do
0: do you think it's possible to induce a spiritual awakening either in yourself or like if somebody's watching this like oh I want one like is it possible to induce that or is it possible even to kind of help somebody else that you know to have one like is there anything that as far as you're aware I suppose meditation maybe you kind of mentioned earlier anything else that that would help with that
1: yeah, I mean, you can't predict somebody having a, a spiritual awakening experience. Um, you know, some people meditate their whole lives and will never have one. Others mm. are, you know, experienced psychonauts and have never had that full-blown, um, you know, mystical experience where they experience themselves as um, totally non-dual with everything around them. Um, so you can't predict it. But of course, there are certain practices that might be more um, might more easily facilitate uh, something like a spiritual awakening?: yeah. Uh, yeah, so meditation, but there's various forms of meditations, of course, so chanting, uh, breath work is very, very powerful for shifting uh, states of consciousness. Um, and I feel like breath work is a very quick way of, of attaining an altered state, definitely, so perhaps more, um, more conducive to these kinds of uh, awakening experiences um of course yoga so a variety of spiritual contemplative practices um and then things like uh, ecstatic dance and i don't necessarily mean in a in an ecstatic dance setting as we know them um because it's become sort of a trend now which i love but you know that's not the only way to let yourself go to the music and and go fully inwards and just let everything out as, as a cathartic method um you know we've seen it time and time again in 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 traditions all around the world, you know even things like being part of a drum circle um, and 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 letting loose to you know in in terms of movement to uh, hypnotic drumming or even just drumming yourself. um those can all be activities that increase our sort of um, state of absorption uh, and and thus can be maybe more conducive to those experiences of oneness.
0: Wow, uh, yeah. That's cool. Um, so I guess maybe it's time that I ask you to tell us about, or tell me about your experience that you had. Like how, and and maybe you kind of want to go back a few days before, or I don't know, kind of what time frame. But what kind of state of mind were you in in the lead up to that? Was it? I know it was spontaneous, but was it totally out of the blue? Like, uh, give give me a little background in that sense, and then yeah, go ahead and, and and please tell me about the experience in as in as much detail as you want to or feel comfortable to.
1: Mm-hmm. Um. I mean, it's impossible to describe it in, in a lot of detail because it's still yeah. ongoing in many ways. So six years down the line and I'm still, you know, reaping the fruits of, of what happened to me and trying to make mm. sense of them. Yeah. But um, it, I guess in a nutshell, I had just moved to Madrid, I think a month and a half prior to the experience. And I was in a very exciting period of my life. I was making lots of new friends. I had my first post-uni job, uh, you know, uh, kind of prolonged job that I knew that I was going to stay in, uh, working in uh, the preservation of cultural heritage and and in art production. So I was very excited, very happy, kind of living the dream in Madrid. And, um, yeah, I mean, nothing out of the ordinary, apart from that massive thing, which was a big shift in my life, moving countries, making new friends, having a new job. Um, but then I think it was a Saturday night or a Friday night. I can't remember right now, but I know that it was the night of the 19th of February 2016. Okay. I hadn't, um, I didn't go out that night. Um, I stayed in and I didn't even have a glass of wine or anything like that. Um, I was completely sober and I went to bed and I fell asleep. And the next morning when I woke, woke up and opened my eyes, I just experienced... Um. I mean the most profound thing that I've ever experienced in my life um
0: just was it like immediately sorry to interrupt was it like you wake up and you kind of regain you know your full consciousness yeah. and then just straight away
1: Yeah so I had wow. had a very really profound lucid dream before waking up and oh, when wow. I opened my eyes and woke up uh the experience was instantaneous and it was this incredible flood of well this love that I'd never experienced before, um, this all-pervading, breathing life energy in everything that I could see around the room, and this sense of noetic or intuitive or deeply experienced interconnection with everything and everyone around me in the universe. Mm. Um, and I just had this incredible sense that there was a, an intelligence or um, intelligence isn't the right word because it automatically brings us into the mind state. Um, but this was a deeply felt experience. It was almost vibrational of this deep inner knowing that there was an intelligence or a benevolence or a a, a, a consciousness that permeated and pervaded or pervades still the universe and everything around me. And it it just filled me with so much bliss and so much peace all the while i was bewildered and shocked you know that i was having this experience and i knew intuitively that it was a spiritual awakening even though i'd never known what a spiritual awakening was before my experience um and i had this sense of light emanating from different parts of my body uh, notably from my heart space my third eye and the crown of my head and it was as though these Parts of my body were just not only emanating light, but also there was just this different sensation, inner sensation that I was feeling in those body centers. Um, It almost felt like my heart was, you know, when you're so happy or or when you're feeling such a strong emotion, your heart just feels like it's being squeezed almost. Mm -hmm. I can't describe it properly, I can't describe it with words. And that's one of the, one of the qualities of mystical experiences or awakening experiences is this sense of ineffability. There are just words to describe it because these experiences fall outside of the brackets of our usual way of experiencing life. So we don't have a language um, through which to describe it. And even if we did, there would, I mean, it kind of doesn't even make sense for me to explain it because it just occurred on a totally different level of human consciousness. But anyway, I felt this, you know pressure almost all this squeezing in my heart space in my third eye and in the crown of my head and i experienced this tingling in my third eye that i'd never felt before um which you know it was then fascinating to later down the line read up about all these kind of great mystics around the world who had who described similar tinglings and eman- light emanations from these parts of the body um but just going back to my own experience i mean you know things like the colors around me uh were enhanced um Mm -hmm. sounds were enhanced a touch like my five senses were on another level of experiencing and it but the thing that was the most interesting about this experience which lasted for many many months and again it's still with me right now because my life changed completely from that moment onwards is um yeah it wasn't an experience that I had acquired. It was an experience that was already all around me. Like that, that, that this sense of oneness, this connection with everything, this sense of uh, consciousness being primary in the universe was already there, but that I had, it was like a veil had been lifted from my eyes and I could finally see what was already there the whole time until my experience allowed me to see it. Um, and yeah i speak with very in very symbolic terms i i really don't wish for anybody to interpret what i say in a, in a literal sense but and um, there's yeah. no other way to describe it basically yeah. yeah
0: yeah it's like people that have NDEs and stuff they they yeah there's how do you how do you put it into words and how do you ex- like transfer that information to somebody else because it's incredibly, so subjective so personal
1: yeah sorry to interrupt you yeah it's incredibly um it's incredibly frustrating to tell to retell the story. This isn't something I've ever told anyone on a podcast or in a, you know, in an interview because I like giving interviews and I make I make a point to talk about the experience for various reasons. Um, but it is so frustrating because no amount of words, sophisticated language sophistication can get my message across. It's yeah. just thing that you have to experience in order to understand.
0: Yeah. I'm sure you've heard this kind of comparison before. I think it was maybe Bruce Grayson that said it to me that, um, when he was, one of his patients was trying to describe something to do with the NDE or maybe it was multiple of them, but anyway, he kind of used a a metaphor, a way of, way of explaining what it's like is he said that it's like trying to describe what, what colors are to a blind person, you know, or trying to describe what something smells like to somebody who's never had the ability to smell in their life. Like, how do you, How'd you begin like and and obviously you've, you've done a pretty good job um <laughs> Thank but you. yeah I, I imagine there's loads that you have in there that internalize that you just can't share yeah. you can't get out like uh,
1: yeah totally. So, yeah, i
0: can see the frustration
1: the the way i describe it is you're operating from a different mind gear like you know when you're shifting gears in a car mm-hmm. i don't know but that's something that came to me it's like you're not operating on the same wavelength as many people yet i believe that everyone has this innate capability of accessing these states mm-hmm. but, you know i don't place myself any higher than anybody else no way um but i yeah unless you've experienced it you can't understand it basically
0: yeah and so the night before you were an atheist and then this happened and uh, obviously changed your life and i'll ask you in a second about how it changed your life um but before i do just a couple of kind of more practical less less kind of spiritual questions about it so your your eyes were open or closed like when you're kind of having this experience or do you not really remember that detail i guess they were open you said you're seeing colors and everything in in vivid vivid detail um and do you know how long it lasted at all i guess again it's not something you check a clock for but was it i suppose you at least know it's less than an hour or something like that or
1: i think the experience lasted well that peak 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 of the experience that altered state lasted yeah. for months i mean it lasted for it lasted for months really? uh, the first two weeks were the most intense. Oh. and then it sort of started to wane and then it started to wane and then it continued to wane and but it, it just shifted everything for me it shifted my way of perceiving life it shifted my interaction with people it shifted and the the altered state gradually began to uh, integrate into the fabric of my everyday existence Wow! but the the experience stayed with me it's still with me right now i mean and um, the way i describe it is that Whereas before I was operating, you know, on an up and down level, like everybody else Um, from this level, now I'm up and down still, um, but from a a higher level or a different level. Um, So I'm operating from a different state of consciousness than before the experience. Um, um, But yeah, Um, in terms of, you know, the sort of yeah the initial peak experience yeah I would say two weeks to and then and then wanes to six months and then it's that's amazing Calmed that's down. amazing yeah.
0: I was kind of half expecting you to say like the the real peak experience was like five minutes maybe or you know it, it was weeks that's unbelievable That's yeah. so you're kind of walking around with this this love and blissful feeling kind of permeating through you and everything just kind of like a Disney movie almost but like in real life like looking at everything and it's like you know like got that glittery sparkly that's just wow amazing
1: it's, it's something yeah it's a rebirth basically and thinking about it now you know i've told this story yeah. so many times that um when i'm sitting with the experience you know if i'm meditating or i'm just yeah uh-huh. you know, and my body's recalling it's it's feeling certain elements of that initial you know that first experience yeah you know, then I, I can I feel the emotion, but right now I'm feeling the emotion again, even if I'm just retelling it in symbolic terms. But yeah. it's I was walking around and there was this sense of magic everywhere. Yeah. Um, but what was fascinating were So not only was there a sense of magic and it was a sense of magic that I was like, oh my God, this was already always, always here. This was always here for me to discover. But I was like so caught up in my own world that I couldn't see what was truly there. But also funny things started happening, like synchronicities. I'd never really, I mean, yeah, of course I'd experienced coincidences and various synchronicities before, never giving them much importance. But Mm. after that experience, whoa, like, Things just came together. It was like I was attracting things, like there was an abundance around me. And I, I can't explain what that was, but I mean, opportunities started happening to me, people started happening to me. Like, you know, I, I made some, I mean, some incredible connections, some incredible experiences occurred as a consequence of of that awakening. Um, and and it almost felt like I was drawing them to me, you know. Um and I know that may sound delusional to whoever's listening, but and and who knows what it you know what the reasoning behind that is. Um, mm. You know, I'm open to science. Uh, I'm quite a pragmatic thinker, uh, yeah. quite a cool thinker. And yet, I I really couldn't describe to you, I couldn't couldn't explain to you why I was having these profound synchronous experiences, um, which were quite frightening at times. So it's like, wow, what's going on?
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. Wow. Did you have any other kind of experiences after? Like, I know people that have ndes and and other maybe similar experiences to what you've described they they kind of maybe notice precognitive things and and different stuff like that you know like maybe kind of psi elements being more active in their life and um i mean probably other things too but did you notice any any of that stuff has has any of that happened to you afterwards
1: uh no but i suddenly knew how to meditate (laughs) yeah um i you know so i know that's not psi you know paranormal or anything like that but what was yeah it was really cool because i suddenly could sit down and just get in that state immediately but i and i still can um pretty easily
0: is it because you would just recall to that sensation and, and the kind of the feelings you had and the emotions you had during that that peak time as you just as you described it or was it something else
1: not when i meditate no because i want to i kind of want to move past the sort of yeah. like constantly connecting with the past um obviously one of the things that this experience teaches you is to live in the present um but of course i do recall the experience a lot but um you know no even just meditating and being in the present i just seem to be able to fall into that um that that empty space Mm. really really easily Um, in terms of more psi-ish experiences no like i said synchronicities yeah uh, but lots, lots, lots uh, experiences of of abundance, which I think comes with synchronicities, um, but not really cog- uh, precognitive experiences or telepathic experiences or anything like that. I've had a variety of different um, spiritual experiences since the awakening. Um, you know, like uh, experiencing myself whilst meditating in a in a white cloud, like. Visualize like being able to see that white whiteness all around me, you know things like wow. that. So experiencing things that are not necessarily um, uh, shared experiences with with other individuals, but yeah. no, not really paranormal um, type experiences. Although after this talk, I'm probably gonna think, oh my god, why didn't I mention that I had this and this and this? But you know, six yeah, six you'll years have to
0: let me know. <laughs>
1: I could I could forget
0: yeah no absolutely I mean maybe you know there's still time isn't there of course <laughs> like uh you, you might be gonna have an experience later today um exactly. it's yeah. gonna be precognitive or something but yeah wow um it's just amazing like I say I didn't realize I've, I've kind of heard you talk a little bit about it before but I didn't realize I don't know why maybe that didn't click to me but I didn't realize it lasted so long um it's just phenomenal really amazing um is there anything else you wanted to kind of say about that experience or about kind of how it changed you or anything like that before we kind of slightly move on i'm sure we're going to reference back to this in a few ways maybe as we go on but anything else you wanted to say um it doesn't I, have to be i, I can
1: speak for an eternity on this subject i'm actually obsessed with it so
0: yeah yeah <laughs>
1: um i i mean yeah it changed me it made me become a lot more empathetic um lot more able to understand people and and the you know why they probably think the way they do or behave the way they do so i became a lot more forgiving um mm-hmm. also towards myself um yeah. a lot more interested in in wanting to be, be a better human uh act of service towards people yeah. I had a deep sense of mission that i needed to do something with what i'd experienced um and
0: yeah many other things <laughs> yeah yeah like like you say we could talk about it forever um, yeah and I could probably keep coming up with things to ask you about it forever but maybe we'll come back to it like I say but I suppose for now let's kind of try and move on a little bit um in the interest of time um so tell me about these uh these groups that you run these support groups for people going through spiritually transformative experiences like that's people going through experiences or having experiences akin to the one we've just talked about um yeah. and others that are maybe NDEs and stuff people that have been through things like that too or out body experiences and i'm sure many other things as well but yeah talk, talk to me a little bit about that did you set that up or was that already running when like, did, did you join that project and and yeah uh,
1: um it was sort of a joint effort with the psychedelic society so um one of the uh you know sort of leaders of the psychedelic society Amir, who's a great guy um he got in touch with me after i I gave a talk with them uh on my research and he asked me if i wanted to run these peer support groups uh they hadn't been set up yet so this is something that we we co-organized uh Mm -hmm. but uh it was really cool because that was something that had been on my mind for years that i wanted to start running these kinds of events uh for people who'd have you know variety of uh spiritually transformative experiences to come together in order to discuss their experiences in a non-judgmental uh sort of setting in a safe setting um uh, yeah so i was asked by the psychedelic society to run them and i've been running them for a year now and um it's always uh, sold out it's always it's crazy how it sells out every time really early on uh like as soon as i put the 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 thing online it just seems to so it seems like many people have these kinds of experiences yeah uh, maybe not full-blown uh spiritual awakening experiences necessarily but uh you know spiritual experiences of varying sorts uh, mm. which also deserve to be addressed and talked about and uh deserve the you know respect from the general public yeah um, and so yeah i run them uh, once a month at the moment um and i also i'm starting to run them online with the uh, spiritual awakenings international although that's been ongoing for years so they have just brought me in as a cool. facilitator yeah
0: yeah and how many people are normally at these these meetings
1: I keep them relatively small i get 25 people um plus myself and danny who helps me out um just because we want to assure you know um, that the safe space is is respected and if there are too many people it's just impossible to moderate uh, so yeah it's 25 people um and it's always such a wonderful experience i think well at least for myself and um from what i hear from the people who've come so yeah do join if you're listening and you want to uh find a community around these experiences
0: yeah i'll put the the links in the description so people can find that <laughs> so then people kind of what they they you go around in a circle and people stand up and share their experience. Is that how it works or?
1: Yeah, it's almost, it's almost like an alcoholic's anonymous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember we were going in a circle once and this one guy picked up the, the talking stick that we use and he said, mm. uh, something like, uh, my name's na, na, na. And I'm not an alcoholic <laughs> just cause it was so likened to that kind of space. Um, yeah, no. We usually, you know, have an initial check in all together, all twenty five or twenty seven of us, um, uh, with a talking stick. We use this sort of um, this prop that helps us just take the lead. So whoever's holding the stick can talk, and who whoever isn't holding the stick needs to practice active listening, proactive listening. Mm-hmm. Um, so it really encourages this space of you know real listening. It's a real container yeah. for 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 profound stories to be told and to be heard um more than anything we do an initial check in and then i divide the groups into two and then danny takes one group i take another subgroup and then we do our own individual sharings and they're sort of um following the same thing of using the talking stick to 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 speak and to listen um but it's a little bit more sort of less arranged um and uh, and then at the end we all come together and we do a checkout, um and we all go to the pub after that for cool. a more informal discussion so I yeah. think we'll really appreciate that as well yeah. uh, just getting together informally but yeah
0: and and in terms of I, I bet you must see loads of like similarities with the people like in terms of maybe personality traits or ways that these experiences have affected them and do you what kind of is everybody from I, I know they're not going to be but what kind of backgrounds are they from is it a total array is it p- some people are religious some people are atheists and people are agnostic or well, maybe not atheist anymore but is there that kind of full array of of cultures and beliefs and you know personalities
1: i wouldn't be able to tell you the exact uh no. statistical breakdown, but <laughs> <laughs> um, there is yeah there is usually a mix it's usually a mixed bag uh yeah people of varying sort of backgrounds and uh and religious backgrounds as well and cultural backga- backgrounds bearing in mind we hold these sessions in london so there is a sort of demographic that comes with that yeah. but you know generally speaking yeah people have diff- you know people who are um yeah there are hind- people who are hindu others who are buddhist others who are others who are still still consider themselves atheists, other others who are agnostic catholics whatever mm. we welcome everybody um well, what we tend to see, though, in these experiences is that people tend to move away from a sense of religiosity. Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought that was a really interesting thing that we found in, in our research project. Um, but also just generally speaking to people, we find out that people tend to move away from religiosity and materialism. So it's it's, a, it's an interesting one. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so they become kind of just more maybe spiritual, agnostic, those kind of things, more open-minded and just yeah awe of the the wonderment of everything
1: exactly it tends to open your mind to the possibility that yes i mean there might be a god or whatever but it may not be your god it may just be that there is this pervading energy or 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 consciousness that that Mm. permeates the the universe and that does not come with a name or with a figure um or with a likeness Uh, yeah yeah although i have must i must say that during the interviews that i conducted um for my research I spoke to a couple of people um particularly from the u s actually notably from the u s who um to, for whom the experience enhanced their their christianity you know their, their attachment mm. to Christianity, which was also a very interesting take yeah I found that very valuable as well. It's always good to um, get different perspectives as well when we can
0: yeah yeah I've heard of that like some in some NDEs people say they see Jesus or heaven and things like that don't they but then then you have the other side where people from different religions see their own God I guess there there may be there's a part of expectation that goes into it um it's not to say the whole experience is based on that but maybe there's a little element of that that goes in and it's just maybe our perception like we see that kind of a presence that we're like wow this is so powerful or, or just i don't even know like a you know a being or just energy or light or however or love whatever it is and then people kind of come back and they ascribe it to their what they know right what they know in their culture or their belief or their religion um yeah yeah, and it kind of takes on that so yeah i can see how it would strengthen but yeah it's fascinating um so jessica what are your main areas of, of research interest i know i, th- I think you, you're very much in on altered states of consciousness right and spiritual awakenings but tell me yeah what, what are your others or what are your main areas of, of interest
1: mm. well i'm interested as as you've already mentioned in all things uh you know spiritual um spirituality non-duality cosmic consciousness um, but also, you know, spiritual experiences or altered states emerging from contemplative practices like yoga, meditation, mm-hmm. um, mindfulness. Um, I'm also very interested in in psychedelics, um, although I don't study them myself. But, you know, I am very um, uh, au courant. <laughs> I'm very up to date in the know of, of what's going on. I mean, I think yeah. if you study mystical experiences, you need to know what's going on in the psychedelic. Um, science realm as well
0: yeah.
1: um, and how that's sort of enabling us to understand the brain better um, so yes I like to approach all of these topics from a um, a neuroscientific um, psychological um, perspective um, that's not to say that I mean the, the greatest fascination is the philosophy of these experiences and what they actually bring about you know um, but I'm also yeah. really interested in understanding the brain better um, and yeah that comes with things like neuroscience and neuroimaging um, i
0: was just going to ask you about that like have you been involved with some some neuroimaging studies or anything like that or?
1: no not yet not yet <laughs>
0: but are you are you hoping to be soon
1: yeah that's that's something that's it's brewing in my mind
0: yeah yeah because mm-hmm. i think that stuff's fascinating like obviously looking at what's going on in the brain when yeah when you're in an altered state of consciousness and there are yeah. lots of different altered states of consciousness it'd be interesting to compare individually you know like what's the difference when somebody's maybe under the influence of psychedelics or when they're meditating in a very deep meditative state or when they you know are having a, a lucid dream or you know there's so many different things that'd yeah. be fascinating to compare and contrast um
1: yeah. Um, I would say though, uh, we need to be really careful with things like uh, you know talking about neuroimaging for the discovery of of the inner workings of the mind with regards to these experiences, because definitely. Uh, these technologies are not refined enough yet. I mean, yes, we can see sort of d- changes in blood flow and and so on and so forth, and and that is something that is already happening. We're already uh, you know people are researchers already looking uh, at these experiences through the lens of neuroimaging uh, rightfully. And they're receiving some very promising results, but it's very hard still to kind of pinpoint um, the changes that do occur in the brain um, as we're still at the beginning of the road of all of this.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, and also, you know, I mean, my main area of interest are spontaneous awakening experiences. And it is mm-hmm. very difficult to induce a spiritual awakening. So that might be an issue as yeah. well. You know i'm sure there's a way that we can sort of better understand the the inner workings of the brain um through the lens of neuroimaging at some point uh using yeah. some sort of methodology um despite people not being able to induce them uh directly
0: have you got any idea over like the the population like what kind of percentage of people might have a spontaneous spiritual awakening like have, have you ever is there, there been any study on that like sending out a questionnaire to everybody at the university and saying have you ever had an experience like this and then getting a percentage you no know?
1: there was a study um done i mean it was just a survey you know how we receive yeah. our um however many years we've received like a survey to complete for the government or whatever
0: uh, a mm-hmm. census census yeah um
1: there was a, a sort of census survey study thing uh in 2002 uh in the US, and they sent out their. It wasn't a census because it didn't involve the whole, uh, you know, US population. But mm-hmm. they asked among all amongst all of these other questions on whatever mental health, finance, whatever. They also asked a question regarding spiritual experiences, and they, I think, they asked something like, "Have you ever had an experience uh, that?" transformed your life and that you would call uh and that that was spiritual and that transformed your life or something like that i can't remember it off the top of my head sorry but and i think about 47% of all of those who responded um said yes 47% so,
0: wow yeah
1: so that's not again that's not necessarily a, a spiritual awakening or a spontaneous no. awakening it could just be like an experience, a psi experience of some sort mm. or uh, an experience of telepathy or synchronous experience we don't really understand you know we don't know the breakdown yeah. of, but it's still quite telling that quite a few people in the world have um, interesting um, non-ordinary experiences which could perhaps be returned more ordinary experiences because we're starting to understand that these experiences are pr- probably more um, frequent than we think um, yeah definitely I'm, I'm currently um, conducting a, a study with um, the EPRC, the Emergent Phenomenology Research Consortium, uh, led by um, Daniel Ingram. And um, we um, we sent out a survey to, well, we've got responses from 3,500 individuals who are not necessarily spiritual. So this mm-hmm. is just, you know, the survey was sent out to the general public. Yeah. And a high percentage of those came back saying that they'd had one experience or another of, of the spiritual type or of the mystical or uh, of an energetic type that they couldn't explain with like through science. So wow. um I again I'm I'm not gonna go into the, the specifics or the statistics of it yet because we're it's in the process of 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 being written up as a paper that we're gonna publish. Yeah. Um, but yeah it was it's a very it's very interesting to see how many people have
0: these kinds At of first things. glance it's notable the percentage
1: yeah
0: yeah do you know when you expect that paper to be published
1: not sure yet um we're hoping to submit it in the next you know three or four months or something like that so cool it'll probably be published next year yeah,
0: um- <laughs> yeah no worries um talk to me a little bit about kundalini yoga because you're a you're a teacher is that what you a teacher a kundalini yoga teacher yeah or a guide but yeah a teacher so again like what what is kundalini what makes kundalini yoga this what 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 defines it the specific type of yoga um what are the benefits what what why should people do it what how do you do it just tell me a little bit about it in general
1: yeah um kundalini yoga basically has its roots in tantra and in yoga uh patanjali's sutras uh from which all yoga comes from but it's sort of a synthesis of Tantra, the Tantric lineage and the Yogic lineage. And we use sort of different breathwork patterns, uh, different meditations, including chants um, and recitations. And uh, we also use prayer, uh, yogic postures and asanas. Uh, We give great importance to mudras and hand postures. And to drishti, so eye movements as well, uh, to, to create a sort of a, a synthesis of all of this is what is what makes Kundalini yoga Kundalini yoga,
0: as opposed. What to, you mean about the eye movements? Like you you look in a certain direction, or like.
1: Yeah. So yeah. usually, uh, if you've got a Kundalini yoga teacher, you'll you'll get instructions on where to look, on where to direct your eye gaze. So it might be behind closed eyes but your teacher might ask you to put your focus on the third eye or on the tip of your nose or on the chin or, you know, to your heart. Um, and or, or for instance, we'll have movements where we're doing like breath work combined with eye movement, um, combined with, with movement. And it'll be a case of like, you know, looking to the left and looking to the right as you're breathing, as you're inhaling to the left and exhaling to the right, for example. I'm just giving you an example. Yeah. Um, there are over 8,000 different yoga kriyas in kundalini yoga, in kundalini yoga, so different yoga recipes, um, so to speak. But yeah, it's really interesting, actually. And I don't know enough about EMDR therapy, but um, I've taught many people who have then come to me saying that, whoa, like the session was extremely powerful and it reminded me of my EMDR um, session. So it's What like does a- that
0: stand for? Sorry, EMDR?
1: um eye movement rapid uh, eye movement desensitization something i'll yeah. tell you again in a minute
0: um, it up on the screen or something I've lost it. It. <laughs>
1: um yes it's about it's using eye movement um in order to sort of retune the brain uh, to perceive uh, stimuli as no longer a threat for example um yeah. so it's a, it's a technique that is often used now in psychotherapy um to heal people with trauma with PTSD and a lot of the, uh, Kundalini yoga, uh, careers that we do involve a lot of these like rapid eye movements and, and left and right, uh, body movements, um, done sort of, yeah. In, in a similar way to EMDR. So it's, it's very interesting how it's, it's almost like mainstream clin- uh, clinical settings are catching up with what, had been taught for many, many centuries. Um, yeah. Other traditions, um, but it's great that we're getting the science to back it up now as well. So, yeah. Wow. But Kundalini yoga basically is a, is a very rapid way of attaining a, an altered state of consciousness. So it's something that people need to be slightly aware of when they when they start it. They need to they needs to be consent around yeah. uh, and and knowledge around what people are getting themselves into. That's not to say it's a bad experience. It's one of the most beautiful things i've ever practiced and that's why i became a a kundalini yoga teacher but it's a very powerful practice um and it can sometimes uh, result in in strange physical sensations or strange mental uh and and perceptual changes uh so it's just something that people need to be aware of but usually that is um that leads people to the unleashing of uh human potential um and of um yeah energy and that can be a very beautiful thing.
0: Wow. Yeah, it sounds amazing. So when did you first start when did you first try it?
1: Um I actually practiced it. I uh, did a few classes years before my spiritual experience, my spiritual awakening. Um, but then after my spiritual awakening, a year later I decided that I wanted to do yoga again, mm-hmm. to practice mm-hmm. yoga again. Um, as my experience was starting to sort of integrate. Um, and I wasn't feeling that sort of high or buzz anymore. And I was like, I was fine with that, but I was thinking, okay, I'm going to find another practice to sort of sustain me in that state because you need to sort of, you know, practice getting, retaining that state and staying in that yeah. state. Um, and so, um, right next door, there was a yoga studio and it happened to be a Kundalini yoga, yoga studio. Mm. I just fell in love with it and I, I fell in love with it in a very different way than I had um enjoyed it before my experience because i understood what it was all about mm-hmm. um and we also had like post yoga philosophy discussions and cool. um, that was also really great a really great way to integrate the experience and make sense of it so yeah
0: it's amazing and is it possible for people to do that like at home could we could you put on like a youtube video like kundalini yoga like guide or something would that work is that going to be Nowhere near. What do you think about that? Is that is that possible? Is it worthwhile?
1: It's possible, but what I would say with Kundalini yoga is that it's always good to have a guide with Mm -hmm. you, whether that's online or in person. Obviously, it's always better to do yoga practice in person because things are more sort of direct. But even if it's online, I would recommend having a guide or a teacher because you know it's just good to stick to certain uh, specifics of the yoga for instance, timings are very, uh, specific. So the amount of time in which you do something like breath of fire, um, shouldn't exceed a certain amount of time. Um, you know, there are certain, uh, ways of moving your tongue and your mouth when you do chanted meditations that, you know, maybe are not so obvious on an online YouTube vid. Um, and like I said, you know, because this, type of yoga is very quick to un- to leash uh to unleash sorry energy in the body um it, it is always favorable to have a somebody there with you in those moments um yeah it's calm you to just say hey that's calm you down when you're some yeah. breath of fire for three minutes and then you've retained your breath so you're okay everything's fine um, all good. um but it's always good to have that reassurance and that guidance um yeah, I would suggest doing it with a guy. And what I really enjoy is also personally, I love doing, uh, con- you know, yoga classes with a group, because I think the energy really ramps up in a group. You know, you yeah. kind of you hear everybody's breathing, you hear everybody's chanting, and it just becomes this whole other practice. Wow. I think there's beauty in doing your own solo practice, but also in being in a group
0: yeah that's amazing um I have so many questions I want to ask you about it so, so how long normally is a session is there like just is there like a set amount of time like how long do you how long are your sessions when you teach
1: uh my sessions are usually one hour and a half
0: okay I had that in my mind for some reason I have no idea why um yeah okay it's quite long for like yeah never
1: level. under they're never under one hour and 15. oh I'm cool under one hour and 15 because um there is the set sort of routine. So. You normally, you know, you open up with your chants and then you usually do some warm-ups and then you go into the the yoga kriya, uh, which works on a specific element of the mind, body and soul. And then after that, you do a long rest, a long um, shavasana resting sort of integration uh, moment, you know, a relaxation um, part of the yoga. And then you'd go into your meditation. And I would say that a lot of yoga teachers generally reduce the amount of time for the relaxation and for the meditation. And this is not good, in my opinion, because your body needs to integrate. Um, and I use this word a lot, and I, I'm aware that I'm overusing it, but it's just it's essential for people's well-beings, particularly when they're delving into spiritual practice, to... You know let the body understand what it's just gone through let the subconscious mind absorb what's just happened and let things just flow through you and flow over otherwise you know you're in this constant state of alert oh i've just practiced this yoga uh and now i'm going to go on to my do my everyday activities um and that's there needs to be a sort of break and a, a moment for your brain and body to relax and to experience what what it's just um gone through yeah and also, you know, meditation is super important. And um, when you go to yoga studios um, anywhere now, you know, you've got this sort of um, very rushed routine. Um, and I feel very sorry for yoga teachers because they have to stick to that sort of one hour slot, which ends up being more like 50 minutes. You've yeah. got to do the setup and the takedown. And um, everything is so rushed and it just loses its element. You know, yoga is meant to be something that we, we soak up and we we melt into not something that we should rush just to tick off you know our box of things you know our list of things to do yeah um, i think we're following the similar mentality that we're trying to avoid um you know adhering to this sort of new way of of just banging one after the other uh, yoga sessions
0: yeah
1: yeah we're losing a lot of the elements of yoga
0: yeah the London way of life like rushing from from your job to the tube from the tube to the yoga session and then straight home um yeah do you teach online as well as in person or is it just in person that you do
1: um I've been running them on in person but then I moved to Spain and now I'm back in London um I think I'll probably start running them one to on a one-to-one basis oh, Cool. Um, yeah so either online or in person um so I'm open for that um yeah and group sessions i'm also open to but i'm not it's not my main area of focus right now but i'm feeling really called to share the teachings on a one-to-one basis and to have a student that i can sort of um yeah kind of work with more integrally and more holistically
0: yeah wow that sounds amazing um if and when you get like a website or something set up for that like let me know and i can kind of put the link in this description and things like that um i also i also have to ask you the breath of fire thing you kept mentioning breath of fire like as this specific part of the the session so what is that can you can you tell me what that is exactly like uh you mentioned like a three minute breath of fire it sounds intense so i have to i have to know
1: it's a powerful breathing method um that's usually done from the diaphragm from the abdomen so you're uh, pumping the navel in and out towards the spine and keeping your mouth closed and breathing mm. in and out from your nostrils. So it looks like this. Oh, wow. Yeah?
0: it's so very quick.
1: Exactly. I mean, you can start off at one breath per second, but eventually you want to sort of um, make that a little faster. And it, wow. uh, it generates a lot of heat in the abdomen. So it's very good for things like... Um, uh, you know metabolism and other digestive um, sort of things, but it's um, in Kundalini yoga we use it a lot to generate the energy at the third chakra or um, you know solar plexus uh, to then we to then pull a banda what we call a banda which is like a, a lock a body lock in the body to then direct the energy up the spine and towards the, the brain or the crown of the head. Um, And again, these are symbols, you know, I'm using symbols to describe something um, that is, we still don't really know very much about uh, from a scientific perspective, but it's definitely something, something definitely happens when you do that kind of breathing and then pull different locks in the body and it's, it can lead to sensations of ecstasy. Um, And in yogic traditions, they say that it's, you know, the movement of libido energy in the body. Um, but again, we don't, we haven't been able to sort of measure that, uh, in a more scientific yeah. way. It would be a very interesting project.
0: Yeah, um, definitely. It's yeah. fascinating. And so it, that's like one of the examples of the kind of breath work that goes into it. And then a session of an hour and a half will be loads of different types of breath work like that, or different to that, but you know, along the same lines, and then there'll be your eyes and, and everything else going on at the same time.
1: Yeah, everything at the same wow. time, pretty much. And also mentally repeating mantras. And all of this is just a way of getting outside of your usual state of thinking. So yeah. you know, I don't know if you've ever tried chanting meditation. Um, I find it extremely powerful because it, you focus on the tonality of your voice. You focus on the words that you're saying out loud. And it's almost like you're directing your entire, uh, you know, your entire being in that moment to mm-hmm. the mantra. And that in itself gets you outside of your thinking mode and into an experiential mode. Wow. And actually, you know, I think things like um, chanting and other forms of meditation and breath work can lower things like the default mode network, which is a a set of uh, sort of parts of the brain. Again, I'm using very simplistic wording to describe something much more complex, Um, but it it lowers our sense of, of, um, lowers the activity That is associated with our direct sense of self or our egoic self um and yeah so uh, it would make sense that we then um become less self-conscious during a a a breath work or a chanting session
0: yeah yeah definitely have you ever had anybody like um have any issues during a session like any any kind of health issues or just have like a kind of freak out like a panic attack like bugging out a bit um Mm -hmm.
1: No actually um it's all been really uh smooth and I think you know that's why you need to be with a, an experienced teacher who who knows something about spirituality as well and spiritual experiences because you know there there are a ton of incredible teachers out there but if you don't if you've not had a direct experience of an altered state then how can you possibly understand when to you know ha- how to notice that someone's about to have a, a negative experience or when when it's time to stop and when it's time to moderate the practice, I think you need, I think once you know a little bit more about the inner workings of these kinds of experiences and you're able to moderate your practice to suit the individuals in your class um, and to know the the triggers and, um, and yeah, to just be more aware of, of what could go wrong, what could go really well as well. Um, so luckily, you know, I've, I've not had any issues in my classroom, but I also stick, uh, to the time limits, I stick to the, uh, you know, to, to to the limits of the classroom, and I I don't go beyond that. I don't exceed that. And I, in my opinion, it's better to to go slow. Uh, you know, slow steady wins the race, rather yeah. than you know try and just go all in immediately, and then that might cause someone to just have a, a panic experience because they're like, whoa, what are these feelings? I don't like what I'm feeling when actually they're perfectly natural sensations. They're just um yeah we need to re rewire the brain to experience those feelings um in a in a more positive light
0: yeah wow yeah, well, you you've sold it well i'm i'm very intrigued to try it actually it sounds amazing um Tell me just uh, kind of in, in like a, in a nutshell, maybe just like two minutes or something, any tips for people that want to do meditation? I know meditation very different, very kind of about being still and and just mindful right in the moment. Um, but if you just got any tips for anybody like me that maybe struggles a little bit with that, that wants to do more of it, um, just kind of how people can, yeah, do it at home and, and get into that right headspace and things like that.
1: My My main tip is... Keep trying, keep practicing because you're working the brain muscle. <laughs> mm. I mean, you know, if you go to the gym and you want to work out your arms, you want to build, a, or you want to build better posture, you want to build like a better um, uh, whatever it is you're trying to achieve at the gym. Then you'd have to go to the gym many times in order to achieve that. You know, um, you you can't expect it to happen overnight, and that's really the same thing with. Um, with our perception and with our experience, uh, inner experiences of the mind and things like meditation need to be practiced. Uh, And the more you practice meditation, the easier it will become to fall into that state um, of consciousness. Um, But I would also say that with meditation, I mean, we're all different. um, And different types of meditation will suit different types of people. Um, you don't need to sit still for meditation. You can also, and the, actually the goal really, uh, if there is a goal is to be able to practice meditation, um, or mindfulness in your everyday, uh, way of existing. So for example, um, the way you eat your food or the way, um, you walk, yeah. um, and, you know, I think a really, uh, special way of meditating is just to go out in the woods or in a green space and just bring your attention to what is around you and also to what you're experiencing in that moment. You know, oh you know, what did the, you know, just pay your attention pay attention, full attention to the colours of the leaves around you or to the sensation of the, you know, gravity, gravitational pull of your body, or um the way your feet feel ag- against the the ground, um or well, the smells around you. And that's a really, really um good way of getting into into that state um and yeah there are lots of different techniques and everybody needs to find their own way of practicing but like i said i think the most important thing to take away from this is just to keep practicing and you will get there eventually yeah. um, you can rewire the brain to to do whatever you want it to do really
0: yeah just gotta yeah. keep trying just keep practicing yeah. keep it. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah it's solid advice really um simple but it's yeah very very important i'm gonna I'll, I'll keep trying um so let's kind of change uh, change it up a little bit here um i don't want to keep you too long um okay so what are your thoughts on psi phenomena
1: um i think unless you've had an experience you can't possibly know that it is you know that it, it exists but Whether you it's real. believe that people's subjective experiences are important enough For you to believe them i mean in other words i do believe that these you know psi phenomena are a thing because i've I've spoken to an innumerable amount of people who have had uh different types of psi phenomena paranormal experiences um and so i don't think it's something we should ever discredit i don't think we should ever discredit people's um people's individual experiences and i think with the um the increase in research around phenomenology or the research of uh, first-person experiences is just gonna get us uh, really far, I think, um, in science. Um, and I, I look forward to see where that takes us because I think psi phenomena and other related phenomena are extremely important to investigate um, and they might give us more of an inkling at the, the nature of consciousness and of reality.
0: Yeah, definitely um have you i guess you haven't but have you ever seen anything like firsthand have you ever like witnessed somebody you know uh communicate telepathically with somebody else or witness somebody remote view something or bend a spoon or whatever have you ever seen anything you know not yourself doing it but necessarily but have you ever kind of been around anything like that
1: um no not not around i haven't been around you know somebody who's performed a sort of um experiment around those kinds of experiences. But um, like I said, I've spoken to many people who have had these experiences, experiences of precognition, of telepathy, um, but also uh, people who have experienced direct contact with entities. Um, So I've spoken to a couple of people who experienced during their spontaneous awakening experience, actually, um, blue beings around them which blue I thought was fascinating because when I had my experience, I didn't experience anything of the sort. Yeah. Um, and again, it's, it's just so valuable to, to get these kinds of, you know, bite-sized, you know, these feedbacks of what other people have experienced. Yeah, definitely. Um,
0: Do you remember what they said about the, the blue beings and was it, was it just one person or have you heard that from multiple people?
1: I've heard it from two people now
0: independently. Um,
1: but the, yes but the one the person that really stands out uh was someone that i interviewed um, for my own research project um this woman who uh bless her yeah i had such a good conversation with her and she um told me that she had never been spiritual before she she was not spiritual she was not religious or anything like that she worked in a casino yeah she still does and um one day she was at home and you know she was on youtube just looking at random videos and then this video by Eckhart Tolle, uh, or Eckhart Tolle, I can never pronounce his surname, popped up on her feed, and she clicked on it, and she was watching it, all of a sudden she had this incredible experience of, you know, what I described earlier, um, this feeling of oneness, of ultimate love that she'd never experienced before, uh, of bliss. Mm-hmm. And she stood up and she walked to the other side of her room and she was in shock, in awe. And in that moment, she experienced something that we would call autoscopy or um, seeing oneself from outside one's body.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So She saw herself. Uh, like an
0: out-of-body experience, basically. Like an
1: out-of-body experience. But she, what was really fascinating was the fact that she was experiencing seeing herself, but she was also experiencing herself, experiencing these blue beings lying over her, around her, in like a semicircle, mm-hmm. looking down on her as if to sort of say, oh God, she's come too far or something like that. You know, they were sort of perplexed. This is what she, she couldn't see their expressions, but she had this feeling that they were perplexed to see, confused to see her. Yeah. And then she got propelled back into her body and uh, yeah. And, and this experience transformed her. But again, what really stuck with her was that experience of oneness and interconnection. Um, yeah. yeah. So that was super fascinating. Um,
0: yeah, it and, sounds. So. You
1: know, I follow groups on Facebook uh, for people who've had near death experiences and people who've had spiritual awakening experiences, and yeah, you see loads of the similar loads of similar themes come up. Also from the more visual mm-hmm. kind of perspective, um, yeah. and I know that in you know DMT experiences as well, people perceive you know things like machine elves, but they've I've also read about people experiencing these kinds of blue beings so i mean who knows
0: yeah <laughs>
1: if it's there, the more
0: I... oh sorry no no you go
1: the more i learn about these experiences the more open my mind becomes because i'm like mm. i literally don't know anything i thought i knew yeah. everything, now i don't know anything yeah. um so they're very humbling uh to listen to these experiences definitely.
0: definitely the more you learn the more questions you have that seems to be the yeah. way of it right the more we learn the more we find out the more yeah the more we want to know and the more questions present themselves i guess she didn't like try and categorize these blue beings in any way like they're you know human or people that are deceased or alien or you know any kind of she just kind of they were what they were and she just they
1: were what they were i think yeah
0: yeah wow that's amazing though um
1: they didn't have a framework at the time so mm. that's also something to consider she didn't have yeah. a framework through which to interpret the experience so uh it's yeah your mind is probably more open uh, to the vast um interpret vaster interpretations of what they could be in yeah.
0: the yeah yeah there's probably so many ways we could try and interpret it in like you know from a speculative point of view we could try and do so many like oh it could be this or it yeah um anyway the the night before you had your spiritual awakening you mentioned you were in you having a you had a lucid dream yeah. um so I just wanted to ask you briefly again about dreams the dream state lucid dreaming do you think there's again we don't have to know exactly what the connections and crossovers are but do you think there are connections and crossovers with with all this stuff we've been talking about today with consciousness and and these kind of more spiritual topics do you think through dreams or through lucid dreams we're able to kind of communicate with our own I don't know again different ways of putting this but like our own higher self or our own kind of higher level consciousness um just again just what are your thoughts really just just talk for a couple of minutes about about all that wherever you want to go with it hmm.
1: I think um the dream state can be a gateway to understanding ourselves better in our own hmm. conscious mind um and I think they, I know they can be conducive to, uh, awakening experiences. Um, because I had mine, I, I, that was preempted from this very powerful lucid dream that I had. Um, and whilst I tend not to discuss the dream in so much detail, I, I just sort of normally just, um, mention it. I don't go into it fully, but I think it definitely played a part in what happened in my brain, uh, at the time of my waking up
0: mm-hmm. so I do you think, not go into it because it's personal or just because is there any other reason
1: i don't come into it because i try and describe my experience in the best possible way that i can through language mm. but then if i start to bring in another experience the two can get confused and conflated and people often then Think that my awakening experience was a lucid dream or okay,
0: okay, that I kind of spill over
1: that, yeah or that when i woke up i was thinking about my lucid dream and so oh theoretically i knew that we were one because that was the theme of my lucid dream was all about you know what is the meaning of life uh, so i tend not to express that purely for the fact that i don't want to confuse people it is in my mind a separate event that i think was very much uh you know in occurred very much in conjunction with the awakening but I don't think it was the awakening itself. Probably yeah. something in my brain was happening at that moment which allowed me to have that very profound lucid dream and thus also allowed me to um to have the the awakening experience if we're going to look yeah. at it through a neurobiological perspective um or a neurochemical perspective. Yeah. Maybe endogenous DMT Who knows?
0: Maybe. Um- <laughs> Did you did you kind of go into that lucid dream intentionally or was it just a, a spontaneous lucid dream like uh are you a lucid dreamer in general like can you lucid dream at will or is it something that happens to you on the off chance here and there like because again i i'd love to be able a lucid dream more often i think i had one lucid dream it was a few days or weeks after i spoke to robert wagoner who's like a, he's written a few books on lucid dreaming and he's like a well-known kind of lucid dream person um but it was yeah i've had one kind of semi lucid dream but yeah so what was that for you was it planned was it
1: um no it wasn't planned at all it was totally spontaneous um but i have always been able to lucid um i mean sometimes it's easier than others i'm not going to lie to you and say that i can lucid dream at will any time i want Um, it's usually it usually occurs when i'm really 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 tired um i suppose because the brain is propelled into a state of uh rem sleep immediately i think i mean i actually am not I, i'm not too sure what yeah. happened um but yeah it yeah so i've always been able to lucid dream and i've always had very very cosmic dreams this is something that really connect me with the spirit world spirit realm or higher states of consciousness throughout my life that I, I wasn't aware that that was kind of um similar to spirituality but it's definitely an aspect of spirituality um yeah the dream state is is a very profound state and um it's something we can it's a, it's a state that we can learn a lot from yeah. Um, and it, it, yeah it can possibly induce certain other states as well
0: yeah yeah Yeah. definitely I'm fascinated by it I need to I need to try and learn more about it and understand more about it um I suppose you wouldn't necessarily have lucid dreaming tips for people because you've always been kind of naturally able to do it but I'm thinking as well like uh in terms of the possibilities within the lucid dream like i spoke to stanley krippner who no doubt you're aware of who was used to be a pioneer in the dream telepathy studies um i've heard of people being able to do kind of heal heal themselves via dreams whether it be physical like physical seems wild emotional healing seems kind of fairly understandable in your dream like healing yourself emotionally or mentally but physical i've heard people talk about that and it seems harder way harder to comprehend um and and yeah there's other like ways of of interacting with like you say this kind of this element of consciousness or it's hard um, to put the words on it but
1: yeah, of course i've um i think charlie morley also is a, i don't know if you've heard of him he's an expert in lucid dreaming and uh, he's written a book i haven't actually read it yet but it's on my shelf um and it's on you know different techniques to lucid dreams so maybe that's something you might want to pick up um, yeah. I don't know in, in how much depth it goes, but I I mean I watched him talk. Um I've watched his talk and I, I thought it was really, really good. And he also describes experiences of healing trauma through lucid dreaming. Mm. You know, for instance, if you bring yourself to a lucid dream and then you allow yourself to experience maybe the person who traumatized you um and have a conversation with them, that can be deeply healing. Or mm. um he I think he was discussing, you know, people like you know, war veterans who uh, use lucid dreaming as a technique to get themselves back in that state, that terrifying state, and yeah. then also be aware on the on the on the flip side that they were just in a dream and that everything was okay, and that sort of, in some ways, might rewire the brain to experience life differently. You know, it all makes sense in my opinion. It's just that we we haven't got the we haven't got the exact reasonings behind why things like lucid dreaming can be so powerful but it is so obviously powerful um yeah Yeah. I guess
0: a part of it is that when we're asleep and we're in that state we're obviously stripped away from all the modern day distractions and stimuli that that kind of yeah distract us from whatever is going on with with consciousness or at higher levels in our own mind um so yeah maybe that's something to do with it and I was going to mention as well I kind of forgot in my little my little ramble but Robert Wagoner, this guy I spoke to over a year ago now I think he mentioned that in some of his lucid dreams he regularly meditates like in his lucid dream like he will just go and sit down and meditate inside a lucid dream and I just thought that was wild and he had I think he had probably some very spiritual very transformative experiences inside a lucid dream while meditating in a lucid dream um if you ever have time you should try and find that episode that I did with him because it was mm-hmm. really fascinating back then I was very like I didn't realize the path it was going to take in the episode. I thought it was going to be just kind of like, tell me how I can lucid dream. Cause it sounds cool. Yeah. That was kind of before my kind of spiritual journey had really begun. Maybe that was planting some seeds in there as well. And that was kind of opening my mind a little bit, but yeah, I was totally not prepared for like precognitive dreams, which we discussed and like potential dream healing. I was like, Whoa, this is a lot. Yeah. Um, but looking back on it, it was fascinating and like, yeah, I'm going to have to talk to him again at some point soon.
1: It's more what we can do with our, you know, how we can alter our consciousness in very natural ways, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, I have a technique uh, because you asked me earlier, but um,
0: yeah. cool.
1: I don't know if this is like, uh, I mean, it's obviously proved, proved by myself because I use it when I want to get into that uh, lucid dream state, but Perfect. I don't know if it's something that is so widely used, but anyway, it sounds so simple. Uh, and I guess you need to just already be quite, um, Already find it quite easy to get into that state, but I'll try and describe it to the best of my ability. So, when you're lying on your bed, or when I'm lying on my bed, I um, and I want to have a lucid dream. I'll maintain a state of awareness on my bodily sensations, on the weight of my body on the bed. You know, um, I try and bring as much consciousness to the sensation of lying down, of oh, the fact that I'm about to fall asleep. Yeah. So, I try and maintain that connection. With my uh, conscious state, whilst allowing myself to fall asleep. So, in other words, I'm falling asleep, but I'm also bringing my attention whilst that's happening to my body and uh, my state of mind. And then, when I feel that I'm about to fall asleep, I bring my eye gaze behind closed eyelids towards my third eye. And are you able to cross your eyes? By any yeah, chance? Yeah,
0: I think so. Yeah. Okay, yeah.
1: So the sensation you should be feeling. And this also goes um, back to the kundalini yoga eye gaze that I was talking about, is like you're crossing your eyes and then bringing that cross eyedness, that lock to the third eye. So it's almost as though you're trying to look out through um, a window in the third eye. So as you're falling asleep, you bring your attention to this point whilst crossing your eyes almost. And I often feel this vibration occurring in my like it just it's overpowering it takes over my entire body and mind it feels like everything's vibrating and then I and I feel like this pressure on my heart and then I'm I'm faced with different avenues like either I want to um wake up because I'm frightened or go, um, or, or I'll go into a sort of um, sleep paralysis, which is not very fun. I don't know if you've ever experienced that. I have, yeah. yeah it's not fun, but that can happen if you're not, if you don't navigate it properly. Um, or the third option is just bring yourself to a lucid dream. Uh, I don't really know how to transition, uh, how to describe the transition, but it normally just occurs with me when I just have the intention that I want to go into a lucid dream. But you yeah. have to be fully committed, fully prepared. Not afraid. I mean, nothing's going to happen to you in your lucid dream. It's all good. Um, but just be aware of the fact that you're safe, you're in your bed, everything's fine. Allow yourself to go there and know that you can always come out of it. And I find that something that can't, brings me out of these states, like whether I'm in sleep paralysis or lucid dreaming that I just want to come out of, you can either wait for it to be over and like finally release yourself from that state. Or what I like to do is I like to think of I like to bring my attention to a specific person. Uh, in these cases, it's always, always my brother. Cause he's a very, he's an anchoring force in my life and he's a, a sta- he's a very stable person and, a, you know, very grounded. And I like to just think of him because if I start thinking of all the people I love and who ground me, then it becomes too hectic in my mind. So I focus on my brother. Um, so you, whoever's listening can focus on a specific person that brings you peace and just keep bringing your attention to that person visualize them and eventually you can come out of um that state and uh, that's particularly for negative um uh, sleep paralysis experiences or hypnagogic hallucination experiences which are not fun no.
0: uh, <laughs> wow that's amazing I'm definitely going to try that and I'll let you know how it goes um, hopefully it will work I guess I'll just mention my tip for not lucid dreaming because I'm like done it once like I said mm-hmm. and it wasn't a full full lucid dream for sleep paralysis just in case your tip doesn't work for anybody because yeah. it's horrible what i done when I haven't had it for a few years now I don't think but I have had it multiple occasions and I would always focus on just moving like focus all of my mind on moving just the smallest part of my body so just like on like the very tip of one of my fingers or something like that and I'll just be kind of focused on that and it won't be moving and eventually you know you'll just get this tiny movement and then you have to seize your second seize your moment and and just move everything else and then for me that's how i managed to get out of my sleep paralysis like multiple times just like this like this tiny little like oh and as soon as it does that little twitch you're like okay move move quick before oh. i fall back into it because yeah <laughs> it's horrible it's, it's such a scary the first time in sleep paralysis must be one of the scariest experiences um
1: a hundred percent and did you
0: ever have it with the sorry to interrupt you did you have please carry on in a second but did you ever have it with um like a presence like a some kind of presence there you did
1: yeah i think that's the case for most people it's fascinating to me how we all experience very similar things and tell me if yours was similar but the first sleep paralysis experience i had i was in my home in italy um my family home and it's always pitch black there because we have the we have those shutters you know those mediterranean mm, shutters we have the same here yeah. yeah we don't have in in the uk in london and so pitch black and i was just lying in bed and fell that was no was it that i was falling asleep no i was waking up so i woke up from my dream and then i couldn't move and i i couldn't move and it was terrifying and then i suddenly perceived this entity like a ghost entering my body through my mouth like it was being sucked into my body and it swirled around my body a few times and then after a while I mean it was the most terrifying experience ever and after a while it felt like it just went out of my body again my mouth um so yeah I experienced this very malicious ghost type entity
0: that's wild yeah
1: and but a lot of people report the same type of like more malicious negative uh, entity or alien entities even, um, mm-hmm. and that seems to be very similar across uh, across different t- traditions as well. But tell me yeah. what yours was.
0: Yeah, well, my I mean, the most common thing I've heard is is just because your one sounds crazy i've heard that it's very common just to have this presence kind of there Mm. and like i don't think it necessarily normally interacts very much it's just kind of there that's what i've heard it's just there's this like this dark presence just maybe on the end of your bed or just like standing over you or something like that and it's always terrified me thankfully i've been blessed in that every time i've had sleep paralysis i haven't had that kind of presence or that being or whatever it is that entity feeling it's just been the terror of like i can't move and like you know and again the first couple of times of like not understanding why and like you know you've just woken up and you panic and but no thankfully touch wood i haven't had the experience with yeah that that sensation of sharing it with something else um because that that terrifies me
1: (laughs) if you ever do it won't be as terrifying because your your subconscious will know that this is just something that happens you know yeah that's the the that brings in the importance of sharing stories, you know, the importance of sharing experience yeah. uh, that I feel so strongly about. The more we talk about things, the more we recognize that we're not alone in having had certain experiences and that they can be quite normal and quite average. Like most people, I think, in the world have sleep paralysis experiences. Um, but probably like, you know, decades ago, if you had told someone that you had had that experience, mm. you'd be like, oh, my God, you're possessed or, you know, yeah. let's find her, she's a witch. Uh yeah. so yeah the importance of storytelling and of sharing um yeah is, is
0: essential yeah I agree and thank you for sharing that and and everything else that you've shared today let's let's move on to psychedelics and again just just for a couple of minutes um just tell me again your thoughts on how maybe they connect or their value or you know um kind of the work that you've seen done on them in terms of scientific research and stuff um yeah just kind of Talk about that for a couple of minutes, if you don't mind.
1: No, I think uh, psychedelic research is really paving the way for a, a better understanding on of our of, of consciousness. Generally speaking, mm. you know, uh, not just altered states, but actual, you know, the actual nature of reality. Um, yeah. I think uh, they're really good supporters of um, alternate ways of experiencing life. Um, yeah, and what's really amazing about psychedelics is that they're You know, I mean, although they're unfortunately illegal um, in most countries and most psychedelics are illegal, but uh, they are widely available. So more and more people are able to sort of experience um, different states of consciousness through psychedelics. And I think this can be deeply enriching Mm. if done in the appropriate set and setting, of course, and uh, with the appropriate knowledge of what you're getting yourself into. Um, but psychedelic research, yeah, is, is' really just um, paving the way for our understanding of of, of deeper deeper ways of knowing. Um, mm. um, but what I find really fascinating is, I mean, besides the fact that you know psychedelics can be used to treat uh, these disorders, but it's also the fact that they're starting to find out that it's actually the mystical yeah. element of these experiences that seem to be the most conducive to uh, a so, long-term and more profound outcome in the treatment of things like treatment-resistant depression, anxiety, uh, and so on. So um, that sort of Mm. uh, makes a strong case also for the study of of spiritual awakenings that occur endogenously, i.e. without the use of psychedelics.
0: Yeah, I think there's going to be so much fascinating stuff we're going to learn about psychedelics over the coming years, right? With like They're starting to do more research on it in America. They're starting to allow it to be used to treat depression and stuff like that i think now in some states and it's going to be the elements of yeah treating like you said mental health disorders and then it's going to be the spiritually transformative side of it and um and they're just crazy as well like when you think of mushrooms in particular they i again i keep hearing this recently it keeps being repeated to me in different places about how we like mushrooms share more in common with us i think than they do with most other plants um they're kind of like this like halfway house which just seems wild doesn't it but yeah it it feels like that's a very telling it feels like there must be way more there that we don't understand yet and and Mm -hmm. hopefully the the possibilities maybe are endless
1: um magic is all around us yeah that's the fascinating thing about things like psychedelics is that they can um show us an objective reality that we perhaps were blinded to before
0: yeah yeah so let's let's move on to consciousness and um so What do you think is the closest that we, humanity, has come to having maybe a workable theory of consciousness? I don't think anybody thinks we've cracked it. In fact, I think probably most people would agree that we haven't cracked it. And it's the hard problem, isn't it? Or at least one of the hard problems. Um, But yeah, what are your thoughts? Again, just kind of ramble away with me here. Just think out loud and just tell me, yeah, what is it? How does it work as far as you understand or as far as you believe?
1: I mean, I will say this. Um, I probably won't go into the theories of consciousness, but what I find so remarkable is this common feature of spiritual awakenings, which is that most people who have them, whether it's through NDE, uh, spontaneous, uh, through meditation, uh, or whatever, through psychedelics, is the same thing, is that um, consciousness pervades the universe. Consciousness is primary this is something that people come out of the experience with uh, it's a deep inner knowing it's not even a theory an acquired theory or a thought it's a deep inner knowing that at the basis of everything is consciousness fundamental consciousness is that consciousness is fundamental exactly or primary um so i think there's you know that's quite telling i think um yeah what the nature of reality actually is and what's also fascinating is that these experiences often feel realer than real you know realer than reality uh Mm -hmm. so they should be uh, taken into consideration and and given um yeah just yeah
0: yeah so you don't necessarily ascribe ascribe to like a theory that somebody's come up with at the moment you again because we obviously we haven't cracked it so you, you you kind of stay away from those and just kind of look at it you step back and look at the whole thing um yeah
1: i like to look you... at things more just from an experiential perspective mm. from my own experience also from subjective yeah. experiences of those around me yeah. um, just because i think lots of people get pigeonholed into specific like theories and then they close their minds off definitely to, to alternate theories often um yeah. you now not anti-theory i just uh, my way of thinking is is much more through experience and through listening fluid, um, through yeah, yeah then through just believing um in something
0: no absolutely um and do you so you think it's fundamental so you think it's you think animals have a consciousness do you think everything has a consciousness do you think where'd you go with that where do you stand on that
1: another thing is that consciousness is a word that we use Mm. to mean different things like you know i am conscious right now because i'm thinking i'm I'm talking to you i'm aware Mm -hmm. Consciousness can be synonymous to awareness uh, but but consciousness in in the way that we're saying that consciousness is primary is is almost that we're referring to this like underlying what I was describing earlier intelligence or something energy chi whatever you want to call it that that yeah. pervades everything so it's in that sense yes uh, that would imply that everything that exists within this universe is conscious yeah. Yeah. you know the wall on my the wall that I'm sorry the wall around the walls around me the the my desk in front of me my computer screen that's all part of consciousness because all is one essentially and consciousness uh, is primary and is fundamental Um, and a really beautiful visualization of this is um, from something that I read I think it was Alan Watts who said this um, obviously in more poetic uh, terms but uh, in a book on Taoism I think he describes you know this sort of consciousness or this intelligence as what makes the leaves grow on trees and the plants blossom and the flowers blossom in the spring and what makes the leaves fall off the trees in the autumn. You know, it's like, there is a cycle. Everything is in constant flux. It's in constant cycle. And whilst we can look at these things as science, you know, from a scientific lens and, and, and box them up like, Oh yeah. Okay. Um, plants go through synthesis, photosynthesis, and then, you know, whatever they perceive that it's time of the year to shed the leaves and whatever, uh, we can look at it through that lens, but what happened, what's at the, what happens on the basis of all of that? What's on, what underlies all of those processes is what we mean by the fundamental consciousness. Um, yeah
0: a nice way of explaining it actually i haven't heard somebody kind of
1: it put it
0: across right? just like that but yeah it's uh it's, it's really good um okay so that's consciousness done that's that massive topic done uh what about the survival of it after our bodies after our, our bodies on this earth our human body dies after our material body perishes um what happens to our soul our consciousness our mind our essence whatever people want to call it um i i don't know how familiar you are with with like the evidence and the research that's been done in this because obviously there's not enough hours in the day to familiarize yourself with everything um but what are you aware of and what are your thoughts on that
1: i mean i am aware of uh, again people's subjective experiences of you know ndes um again it's important to state that ndes are not full death experiences they're near death yeah. experiences so we don't know what comes after that experience but i think NDEs are really um, promising if we if we want to you know live on as souls mm. that possibility yeah um, but I don't know if and how we survive our soul survives death or if it does um, all I know is that when I had my spiritual awakening experience. I knew intuitively to have returned to that space, and it led me to a great sense of loss of fear of death. Yeah, because it was like homecoming, and it, it, it uh, intuitively I knew that that was where I would return to. That that mm. state was where I was going to return to. Yeah. So I suppose, whilst I don't know, uh, nobody knows what happens after death, but um, I don't know there. I have a sense that everything's going to be okay everything will be well all is well um and that we will return home but that again that's just you know from a a personal experience that wasn't even induced through a a near-death experience yeah
0: yeah you don't know but you have a a knowing an internal knowing an Um, inner knowing
1: a a personal knowing and i think this is a knowing that uh, i've heard from people who've had near-death experiences um it's certainly something that i've heard as a recurrent characteristic of spontaneous spiritual awakening experiences even yeah. though they're not necessarily mediated through near-death experiences it's a it's a prevailing theme that of uh loss of fear of death because yeah. one home is it's like a homecoming and one returns to their natural state which is one of fearlessness boundlessness infinity presence and uh and and purity and just beauty really
0: yeah i've I've heard the same thing over and over it must be one of the most like universal elements of spiritually transformative experiences yeah. um that loss of fear of death have are you uh, kind of familiar at all with like um children with past life memories the research that's gone on into that spe- specifically at the university of virginia and like uh mediumship and these kind of things and i don't know if you're comfortable kind of talking about it a little bit but again do you have any thoughts on it on well yeah any any thoughts at all really
1: um I don't really have much to say on it other than I think it's fascinating. Yeah, it um, Of course, you know, we need to carry out these experiments with great rigor um, because correlation does not necessarily imply causation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we need to be careful when we look at, you know, these kinds of experiences and, and what we think, uh, you know, and our projections of what we think those experiences might be. Yeah. But having said that, you know, um, who knows? who knows we we could perhaps be taking over other people's uh you know or past life experiences or whatever um I don't know
0: (laughs) yeah no that's fair nobody really does what did you say sorry
1: you have an interpretation on that
0: oh yeah I could talk about that for hours um I don't know exactly what to make of it I, I I I do think that it must be part of the equation somehow I don't know exactly how it fits um and and just as i was beginning to think like maybe i kind of have a little little grasp on it at one point obviously that was a naive thought that I even had that thought for a second but um again i referenced bruce earlier i'm going to reference him again cuz bruce grayson told me a couple of things that like totally threw spanners in the works of me starting to think i might have some kind of handle on on it at all um and again just to put it in perspective like a year and a half ago i thought this was utter nonsense like all of this stuff and um, that was before looking into the research but yeah bruce told me about like occasions where one child will remember or two children will remember the same past life like they'll both have verified memories that point to exactly the same personality that was a you know which just like what we're we supposed to do with that and then it also I think there's been instances where one child will have memories of two lives that were alive at the same time which again like It just makes everything so much more confusing. As if it wasn't already confusing enough, and it's already like already hard enough to to comprehend and to kind of wrap our little brains around. Like when you add in those kind of details, it's like, whoa, what do I even do with that now?
1: Oh, there's so much. There's so much. Once you start delving into the world of you know spiritual experiences, and you know it's just the world is in becomes infinite. Um, Yeah. there's, There's no amount of inner and outer investigation that can possibly lead you to understand it all um, yeah. and and i'm certainly not um you know against the idea of past lives at all um i just i don't know if we're at the point yet um to be able to unveil um you know the, the truth through the lens of again science mm. um but it is certainly fascinating and i'm i'm willing to yeah i'm, I'm open-minded to whatever that might be about
0: yeah yeah I think, yeah i really want to get like uh jim tucker dr jim tucker on this podcast to talk to him about it because i know they've got like thousands of cases of this that they've studied at the University of Virginia and some of them are very compelling like some of them yeah just like have like 55 I think there was one case Ryan Hammonds where he remembered 55 well way more than 55 probably but when it was all said and done there were 55 facts that ranged from specific to 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 kind of broader but most of them were, were more specific that they were verified as this this personality that lived before Mm. and um and it was a particularly compelling case because the mother of this boy Ryan reached out to Dr Jim Tucker at Virginia um and was before they had any clue of of who this personality was right at the beginning in fact she reached out to him and so he was kept up to date with regular like um you know she would send him emails and talk to him on the phone i think regularly and so there was no kind of like there's no you can't really say like oh yeah they knew they they fed the child you know this that and the other and there was even i think a false dawn with this one where like a tv company thought they had found the the person that he used to be and they like took him somewhere to 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 go to visit his old house or his old workplace, and if you're faking it, you think the parents are going to be like, "Okay, right now, get all emotional and say this." Oh yeah, this is it and stuff. But he was like, "No, this this isn't it. Like it doesn't feel right and stuff." And yeah, and then then years later, they did find who it was, and he met the family, and I don't know. It was it's compelling. I I, I don't I still don't know really what to do with it. Like you say, and there's so much, so much more we don't know, but it's it's fascinating and i just hope to see more research done into it and i hope more people start to look at it seriously and yeah for sure
1: no it's it's fascinating
0: yeah um okay one of the last things i want to ask you about before i let you go jess is uh ufos um that's another kind of another (laughs) big topic for this podcast like the three big topics like one of the three um so again i don't know if you know anything about it i don't know if you keep up to date with any of the news around it at all um i don't know if you're even yeah up to date or aware of, of much of what goes on in in the ufo world as as it were um but tell me what are you aware of what do you think maybe do you think ufos are you aware of the reality of ufos do you have any opinion on what they might be obviously they're they're you they're unidentified but do you have any kind of more thoughts on it than that
1: um well, I, I do know that my great uncle was a pioneering ufologist in Italy. <laughs> oh, funny. really?
0: Yeah. Oh, wow. That's cool.
1: I've never met him, but my mum uh, recalls, has told me about stories that when she used to go and visit him and he'd have this room, you know, proper old school room with like newspaper cuttings all over and awesome. like, all these strings, you know, like, anyway, yeah, um, jokes aside, I mean, it's, it's true, but jokes aside. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I've I've actually seen a, a UFO, like a, a an unidentified um, uh, flying object. Wow! In the sky when I was in a plane and and you know initially I thought oh my god no I'm seeing things right but it was so obviously there and then I actually asked the the man who was sitting next to me who I didn't know I asked him to look out and tell me if he saw the same thing because um, I was you know completely flabbergasted by what I saw. And he was like, oh, my God, what is that? Um, And then we because we had Internet on the plane, um, good old Norwegian Airlines, uh, I was able to, you know, I went online and I typed in, you know, sort of the rough location where we were and, you know, what is this thing? And there was nothing on it. But basically what I saw is I was on the plane and I was traveling from Copenhagen to Madrid and it was pitch black. And we were above the clouds. We had been flying for about an hour and a half. So we were well above the clouds. And it was a very, you know, there were lots of stars in the sky. Um, so we weren't, it wasn't overcast or anything like that. And uh, in the distance, I saw a, uh, like a, an orb, uh, very far away, an orb that was flashing such intense colours. Um, and it was flashing white. And then it was flashing green, and then it was flashing blue and then red and pink, and it was flashing all these different colors, but not at a specific like
0: mm, frequency
1: not in a specific order or um, a specific tempo. It was really random, and it also the sh- the the level of intensity was really random because sometimes it would be really, you know this sort of star looking or orb looking thing would would expulse this light really like rapidly and in a really really you know strong way and then at other times it would be a bit more um a bit less obvious mm-hmm. anyway i t- then took a video of it and i i re-watched it i've got it on my phone actually oh, and wow. when you look at it you can see this like shape-shifting orb like this smoky orb with lots of different multicolors that just like it flickers like a flickering orb um wow. Multicolored flickering orb is what I would describe it as. And yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm not a a connoisseur on UFOs and I'm very interested in all of these things, but I'm not like, you know, I don't go, I don't spend time online looking looking up UFO type things. But I really, I was so shocked when I saw that. And I tried sending my video to lots of different people um, and nobody could tell me what it was. And then I I showed it to one of my my friends who was an astronomer, like a Mm postdoc in astronomy and he when I told him that I had a really fascinating UFO video to show him he laughed at me but then when I showed it to him he was like oh my god I don't know what that is um so you know look I I don't know I mean it could have just been like a weird satellite uh that was reflecting light in a weird way or it could have been a comet of some sort, but honestly, I mean, it stayed in the sky for the duration of the flight. From when I saw it, like one and a half hours into the flight, until the end.
0: Did it stay in the same kind well, of position relative to where you were?
1: Exactly, it was always in the same position. And my wow. my friends were like, ah, oh, you know, not having seen the video, they were like, ah, oh, it must have been, you know, the the light on the end of the wing. Mm. It was not the light at the end of the wing. I could see that light, and it was far beyond that. Yeah. Um, Far, far beyond that. And like I said, I showed the guy next to me and he, we were both like with our eyes glued to the, to the, to the glass, to the, wow. yeah, to the window, just watching this spectacle unfold. Um, but it was so odd because the plane conductor, the, the, nobody said anything on the, on the speakerphone or anything. So it was very, very strange, but it wasn't like this massive orb; It was almost like a star that yeah. was shape-shifting in some way yeah so, weird. so
0: it was changing shape as well as like the the flashing and stuff yeah
1: well the flashes were getting were like stronger sometimes and then weaker at other times and it looked like it was sh- changing shapes but when i look on the video it's it obviously does change shapes again there could be a distortion you know like taking a, a video on my on my phone but it just it's so odd <laughs> wow. Yeah. You know? yeah yeah maybe i'll send Did- you a video
0: yeah please please do um and how did you like uh how did it make you feel did you you, did you feel anything did you feel like weird watching that did you feel like this is something different like did you have kind of adrenaline or any different emotions
1: um it felt good it felt it didn't feel threatening it just felt like i was just intrigued you know yeah Mm -hmm. but like i said i was in awe and i was just staring at it the whole time yeah Doing very little else but um yeah
0: i guess you couldn't say how far away it was sorry i interrupted you there.
1: no not at all it was probably it was like miles and miles and miles away i i don't know how far because because it was dark yeah. and yeah. there was stars around me and but it, it seemed to be a very 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 far object mm. um, and in my mind i was thinking could it be like that they're testing nuclear explosions in space you <laughs> know
0: yeah yeah.
1: it seemed very very odd and i still don't know what it was and then i looked up some things like um there are specific uh, there's a specific um group of stars um that are very close to each other and they can sometimes cause like an illusionary effect uh to the onlooker but it didn't really look like what i saw online so you know
0: and normally if during the experience you're constantly questioning about what it is i find it hard to imagine it would have been something so simple but obviously the human mind is bizarre and there can be plenty of crazy natural phenomena but that does sound yeah it sounds amazing um, it was wow, something,
1: it was something maybe not aliens but it was like it was something
0: it was something non-normal I suppose not
1: maybe uh maybe a comet or something but again it wasn't behaving in the way that a comet behaves so I don't know
0: no, no, though, I, I, there's not many comets that like match pace with the, with an aircraft
1: exactly um, it's just yeah it's weird
0: yeah it's very cool but you've still got the video you said yeah
1: I have the video yeah and I'm willing if anybody in here is a <laughs> you know is a cosmologist or an astronomer or whatever um would,
0: would you be happy for me to put it up on the screen during the episode like uh, the video if absolutely. we can yeah <laughs> yeah, well, you obviously yeah, have yeah
1: to... that's, that adds another level of layer of distortion you know like yeah seeing it from my camera and then zooming in and then putting it on a it, it just might look very different to the way i saw it so yeah
0: yeah yeah, yeah fair enough <laughs> well let's see you send it to me and then we'll see what it looks like and obviously i'll check with you before we do anything but yeah yeah that could be that could be cool um wow well thanks for sharing that that's uh that's awesome and i'm very jealous when was that did you say uh in
1: 2016 or 2017
0: yeah 2016 probably june june yeah. so just before that i don't know if you are aware of the article that came out in the new york times like when they did this kind of they, they published an article um with the the tic-tac you know have you heard of the tic-tac the Nimitz. yeah, yeah so that was like remind
1: me because
0: yeah well yeah they just they published that and they came out with the video of that they released the video of this kind of bizarre UFO a UFO is still all it is people some people think they can can attribute it to some prosaic explanation but no uh, as far as not really um you
1: they, oh, sorry we associate the word UFO with aliens but it, it's mm. just a UFO it's an unidentifiable flying object right so. yeah
0: yeah yeah there's loads of different ways to speculate of things it could be that would be bizarre that's not aliens um I I I do often think that interplanetary beings would be the simplest way of explaining it sometimes but then I don't think that would explain everything that seems to kind of go around these phenomena and I have heard people I think it was Marjorie Willacott who you know I think she gave some kind of speculation that it could be something to do with consciousness or she maybe she mentioned religion as well i can't quite remember but if anybody's wondering now go and watch the episode of marjorie but um yeah there's so many different angles to kind of look at it uh but it's and it obviously could be multiple different phenomena taking place at once like who's to say we're not being visited by some civilization or some thing from somewhere and at the same time there's some unknown natural phenomena and at the same time um Something else, uh, yeah.
1: I think what's really important with all of these experiences, though, is to not necessarily feel like we need to go outside, you know, of ourselves or of our realms of of reality um, to explain anything that we can't to explain the unexplainable. Mm-hmm. In other words, I think that this reality is fascinating enough. Yeah, you know, the fact that we live, we exist on a flying rock in the middle of outer space its fascinating uh it's the greatest fantasy it's the greatest mystery it's more fantastical than any sort of ufo story you've ever heard or any sort of alien story that we've ever um yeah that we've ever heard and i think it's just important to root back into what we do know but just realize that that's freaking crazy like our reality our life uh, the fact that there are stars above our head and all of, all around us, the fact that we don't know what's out there, we don't yeah. know what infinity even means. We can't fathom it. That's fascinating in itself. That's that's the biggest fantasy that could ever exist. So uh, yeah. let's just remember that
0: as well. Absolutely, I couldn't agree more. What is what is reality? What is it? All, <laughs> what's it all about? Like that dream you had. What's the meaning of it all?
1: Right.
0: Um, So I guess all that's left, Jessica, is for me to ask you if you have any last words you want to leave with anybody today, anybody watching or listening, any words of wisdom, any words of advice, any, anything at all, anything at all. Uh, It doesn't have to fit any particular.
1: Um, No, I'll just say um, thank you so much for listening. um, And thank you, Ben, for having me. It was a really uh, interesting discussion. I enjoyed it. My pleasure. And I don't have any words of wisdom to give right now but i would say uh if you are struggling to make sense of a spiritual experience there are resources you can um uh you can find um then maybe you'll put them in the in the comment section below Mm -hmm. um, or in the description section i'll send them over to you um, because I think that these experiences are worth being validated. Um, you know, whether you've had an, a UFO experience or um, that you that kind of sh- shifted your way of viewing reality, or whether you've had an alien experience encounter experience, or if you've had uh, an awakening experience or uh, psi phenomena, just feel free to. Uh, well, you can get in touch with myself, but you can also consult these uh, resources and be put in touch with like-minded people. Um and yeah, so there are there are other people like yourself out there who share your view. (laughs) You're
0: not alone. alone. Awesome. So yeah, send me all of that and yeah, I'll put I'll put it all in the description. So anybody interested, scroll down and, and it's all all should be there. Um so yeah, thank you again, Jessica. Thank you so much. This was awesome. This was so much fun. I've taken up way more of your time than I told you I would. Um but I've really enjoyed it. So yeah, thank you.
1: Thank you so much.
0: I hope you enjoyed my conversation with the impressive Jessica Colney. Hopefully it brought you some new knowledge or helped you to feel less alone if you've been going through a similar experience. Please see the description for all the relevant links and more information. If you have feedback, we're always happy to hear it in the comments. Please consider subscribing to continue unraveling the universe with us. Thank you.